Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer, like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed, the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. The price of winning at all costs. How you like that? I think that's a great title. I like that. I was trying to think of a way to <clears throat> explain what we were trying to talk about on this show, on this right. episode. And that kind of encapsulated it. But basically, it's the, the, the kind of idea that we live in such a competitive society that when you wrap kind of business objectives around just being dominant and winning, that it can lead to some bad outcomes for people. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired by what's going on with our friend Deshaun Watson, uh, formerly of the Texans, Houston mm-hmm. Texans. Now of the Cleveland Browns, did you? Were you a fan of his? Like, have you? Uh, no, not really. No, I wasn't. Or did you appreciate his? Yeah, I thought he was a good quarterback. I mean, he's been a pretty dominant quarterback. I mean, so yeah, you can say he's at the top of that of that list. People, you know, there's always debates of where he kind of falls within that. But right. you know, I would tend to hear him kind of mention that top five quarterback in the NFL, and that's a you know when you think about who plays in the NFL, who are the top five? Yeah, that's a pretty. That's a pretty short good list. list. It's a pretty short list, right? Um, and then there's a massive drop off after that, right? In terms of who the quarterbacks are. So I, I definitely know of him. I've, I, I think in general, I just never really, really cared for the Houston Texans to begin with. So that's probably why, in my mind, he's probably, although he's very good, I, I can say that I rarely watched him play. I didn't really follow a lot of his actual uh, games or any of, any of that. Well, Deshaun Watson, um, has been in the news quite a bit. And so as kind of a jumping off point to this discussion around the price of winning at all costs, it might be worthwhile to recap a little bit about his saga, which is still ongoing, but has been going for over almost two years now. Yeah. Um, which I didn't realize that the last time he actually, you know, took a snap in a game was a 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute, and you know, for folks who may not know the whole story, and we'll get into some of this, but uh, definitely not an exhaustive chronology. In 2020, Deshaun was there was a suit brought against him. One attorney with uh, initially filed a, a sexual assault suit against Deshaun, a young woman who at the time was anonymous, uh, or you know, it was like Jane Doe, how they do in some of those uh, mm. proceedings. Claiming that during a um, massage appointment, Deshaun had basically sexually assaulted her, right? Asked, and we'll get into some of these definitions too, because I actually looked them up. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, asked for some stuff that was not part of a legit massage. Right. Right. Um, is, is, you know, you, you hear about the jokes about happy endings and all that stuff in that kind of category. <laughs> directly in that category. In yeah. Directly in that category. And then yeah. two days later, or like actually the following day and then the following day after that, from that initial uh, suit, there was two other 
uh, lawsuits that were, or, you know, complaints that were brought. Mm -hmm. And then these started all from the same attorney. So the same attorney apparently had began sort of collecting Mm -hmm. a lot of these claims against this guy. And ultimately it led to two dozen women Mm -hmm. who, as, as the story goes, don't know one another and who all claim fundamentally very similar things happen during these massage sessions. So these all these uh, civil suits get brought. There is a, a situation where a jury, a grand jury is convened to look at whether or not criminal proceedings need to be filed. The decision is made not to file criminal a criminal case against Deshaun in the county that this was all happening. Then there was another county that did the same thing. They decided not to bring criminal cases. But he's got, you know, this 24, 25, mm-hmm. 6, I think the number is at one point it got as high as that, of cases brought against him, of which at this point he settled a number of them. He's actually settled 22 of them so far. Mm-hmm. But there's a remaining four or five that are still there. And, it, you know, the, 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 the reason that that was an inspiration for the show is that there's a series of things that the NFL has now done as mm-hmm. part of this. And um, and other entities have been brought in, but it kind of brought up the question for me, a number of questions, but one of them is what is an employer's responsibility or accountability with respect to what employees are accused of doing or do do that is not necessarily directly tied to their work, but still relates to their person? Mm-hmm. So like that's an interesting question. How much women should be believed to bring these cases is sort of like another interesting, you know, kind of question. And how much, you know, uh, career destruction should be brought how soon against people who these accusations are brought forward with? So there's like a whole series of things. But I think the driver behind this is also at least the the for me, the kind of what you brought up earlier, but the, the kind of idea that he's so valuable that we're going to do whatever we can to try to get more mileage out of this particular employee. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack, but it's basically inspired by Deshaun Watson. Yeah, in the case of, of his story directly, I mean, what makes it really interesting is how all of the league has reacted, was, was and frankly was waiting to see what's going to happen with these cases for them to decide what to do with him. Because he'd been, to your point, been sitting there in the sideline for now a couple of years. At this point, just waiting to see what was going to happen. Was he going to go to jail? Was he going to get fined? Was he going to mm. get suspended? And he already made it very clear that he wanted out of Houston. So in all scenarios, he wasn't going to be in Houston anymore. So the question was, well, what's going to happen to you if you, uh, if you are able to come back? And what happened, which I think most people would know this, is the second that it, was, uh, that it started coming out that these cases were not going to go the criminal route, and we're going to like it to be settled, all of a sudden the bidding war just started with him right away, mm. right? Or where the Cleveland Browns decided to, they're the ones that ended up signing him for a league record, $230 million, uh, with a base salary that basically jumps to $46 million in 2023 and at $44, almost like $45 million It's a big contract. Signing, signing bonus. He got tons, tons of money, uh, even despite of having this thing kind of still kind of hanging out there, being some set of all these all these accusations of at this point to your point twenty five women that have come up, and it, it is a really interesting question as it relates to uh, what is the price of winning in mm. the NFL. I mm. mean, because if this guy was not a top rated quarterback, I would imagine his like his career would be over. Like, who want to deal with the PR effort or the PR you know headache of someone that has that many accusations, right? 
And and when it comes to the NFL, that is a brand. It's about protecting the brand. What you do on the record and off the re- or on the field and off the field matters in terms of what it does to impact the brand Absolutely. or the shield. But more and more, the more you dig into how the NFL operates, the less I think that actually holds true. Like is I don't it, think the NFL actually cares that much. Yeah, they say they care, but is, I just don't think they care that much. I think it's all to do with who is a talent, who can still perform, and who can't. Is that the difference between this and a case of any normal employer? In other words, if you were explaining this to your daughter, who's nine, ten years old, right, mm-hmm. and you were trying to explain why this is different for the NFL than it might be for Microsoft, or like presumably if Microsoft employees, I'm sure that in their population of a hundred thousand employees, a number of those people have civil suits that are brought against them, yeah. but. Their level of involvement in that in that stuff is very limited, I would think. So is the difference in this case, unless it has to do with your work performance, if somebody sues you because of something you did at work, maybe that's one thing. But if I work for Google and somebody accuses me of an inappropriate thing during a massage session, how involved would Google get into that? Uh, I think it, I think they, they could get very involved. And the higher you are in the organization, the more involved they are. And if you're publicly a if, face if of the organization. If you're a CEO of a company and you get accused of having want to have a masseuse fondle you, that's a problem. Right? That's a problem for that company. And I mean, though, it may have absolutely nothing to do with your performance. Like, that person will be out. I mean, look, when we think about the Me Too movement that started in the film industry, we really expanded beyond film into, like, corporate America. A lot of people lost their jobs. Heads of studios, people that are in different executive roles, for stuff that they were doing, right? Now, maybe within that, you make you could you could argue, and some people got unfairly pushed. Maybe, but I think also there's a lot of chunk of people that probably did deserve it. Yeah, they were getting away with a lot. I mean, think about uh, Harvey Weinstein, right now. Was, he actually yeah. ended up going to jail, but even if he hadn't gone to jail, like in what scenario can he stay heading that studio and having that, that many accusations? Just just play that out. If he if he didn't get actually convicted it's a same thing he gets it gets all gets settled it gets thrown out not enough not enough, and it gets settled but it's like that level of of accusations i don't know how you keep the guy in that in that kind of role when you mentioned harvey weinstein it's funny because the more i read about this case the more i thought like deshaun could be the harvey weinstein of sports i mean it's just, i mean it's almost identical to the like kind the of stuff patterns, he was doing. Dude, that the pattern or F- that is... no jeffrey epstein jeffrey oh, epstein yeah, yeah. sure sure you sure. know what i mean like the whole massage and there's at one yeah. point there's definitely a strategy <clears throat> there that the, guy, the dude had well i mean just to give you some numbers on this over the course of like three years according to the records that have been able to be found out about this apparently deshaun watson used nearly 70 different therapists, massage yeah, therapists, I know, I know. right? Like, and, and I have very little experience here, but I have some. And that is that when I was in college, or actually this was, yeah, this is right, right during my college years, I worked at um, a resort and spa in South mm-hmm. Florida. One of the biggest treatments in that spa was massages. Mm-hmm. And the people who came in who were regulars always asked for the same masseuse or masseur yeah, yeah, yeah. because you get a feel for somebody and you're like oh i feel good about this right so it's like to me that it's one of the first things that's like, I was like wait a minute are you like why would you need 70 different therapists so i i've heard this as well from i forgot who was doing analysis on this but they, they mentioned that especially for athletes who are very concerned about their body and very concerned about performance like having the right person your team where your team is to, that takes care of you, whatever you need. Yeah. Like, like they tend to have one team. Part of what also makes that story like kind of like really cringy. The more you kind of read into it, is that the way that he would find these people was primarily like Instagram, sending people DMs. And part of his argument, part of his his case of like, is that he was trying to support like black black and brown people is what he would say. 
right? So imagine this. If this dude was used as a way to get people to respond to him right away, and then he used it as, used it as a way to then take advantage of them, like, how fucked up is that? Like, it's super wrong. Dude. Yeah. It's super wrong. The other thing that I thought was really slippery, I don't know if you read the initial um, – the response from – Deshaun's attorney, when they finally did respond, this is going back a year and a year and change. But when they responded, their response was a seven-page uh, response to these claims, and a good chunk of it was basically saying attacking the the women, mm-hmm. and specifically. But the attack though was things like they're on record saying that they were excited about having a professional athlete client sure. that they were going to be massaging an NFL quarterback. And I'm thinking to myself, hang on a second, hang on a second. If you and I were like driving in LA and we walked into a sandwich shop and Deshaun Watson was next to us, we would probably tell people about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. And so the fact that these women are sitting there going, I can't believe I get to massage Deshaun Watson. Like that's, how does that, How that impugn yeah. guilt to you right, right, somehow? Right, right. And it was like comment and comment after, like just like that. It was like yeah. they talked about this. They couldn't believe it. Professional athlete, blah, blah. So it was really kind of slippery the way that they were a- attempting it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it yeah. just, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's the whole thing is is really, I mean, look, there's a way, there's a bunch of ways to think about this. There, you can look at the case specifically for him and then we can talk about like, the broader role yeah. that companies play, right? The case specifically for him there's all these little little facts that have come out like that, like what you just mentioned, that to me are super cringy, right? That doesn't make me feel that he is any less guilty than what I, what I think he actually is, right? Then you look at what actually happened, right? He was initially suspended. Actually, I'm blanking right now. How many games was he initially suspended? Was it six? Six games, six games right? Yeah. The NFL basically was like, nope, we think we should be suspended for the full year. And they came back and they settled for 11 games and a $5 million fine. Now, from the well, fu- hang on a second. He was initially suspended for six games. Correct. Then they had this committee review it, which came back with an additional six-game recommendation. The NFL, Roger Goodell, didn't accept that and appealed the decision, and that's when they ended up with the eleven. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Right. What was interesting about this five million dollar fine of the of that fine, Watson's fine and contribution from both the NFL and Browns of one million. Each will create a fund to support nonprofit organizations in the United States that educate young people on healthy relationships, promote education, prevention of sexual misconduct and assault, support survivors and related causes. Now, you look at that and, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. They're doing this. But the NFL has a terrible, and I mean terrible, terrible. history of supporting athletes that do like really crappy things to women. Yeah. And then for those that still have a lot of to give to the game, somehow they find their way back. So I went back and I looked at the history, which I thought was, was an important one to look at, right, of who are other players that are in that kind of category. So some of this is going back a little bit, right? But one is like Greg Hardy, right, who was, I think, for Carolina Panthers. He was found guilty of assault during the 2014 offseason, right? And reportedly he threw a woman onto a futon with covered in assault rifles in his home, right? He wait, was, wait, wait, wait. A futon covered in assault rifles? Assault rifles. So he grabs them and throws her into this, this futon. Why he has a bunch of what assault rifles, of... And, like, who, who knows, yeah. right? Originally suspended for 10 games, but later his, his suspension was reduced to only four games after a successful appeal, right? And this guy continued playing, right? And I think he got out, later, later went into MMA, whatever, but so he's still pretty young, pretty talented, and keeps, kept on playing. Adrian Peterson, yep. right? That guy was a stud. St- I mean, stud, amazing. Right? Hall of Famer. While he was with the Minnesota Vikings, he was um, uh, there was an incident on felony child abuse charges that he got accused mm-hmm. of right, for hitting his kid. Um, they suspended him for six games, which was then later upheld on, on appeal. But he had a very long career after that. Like 
He continued playing after after Minnesota Vikings continued you know continue playing. There's of course the infamous one with Ray Rice, which is probably the one that most people would think of. The right? elevator so one. Yeah. He was caught on video, uh, like just beating the hell out of his girlfriend at the time, who then later on he married. Now, I think the part that maybe people may or may not remember is that he initially was suspended for two games, right? Until the video came out. And then he was suspended, I think it was uh, was it eleven games? Uh he was suspending like double digits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh he was he was indefinitely suspended, right? Uh and released in twenty fourteen. Now, this guy never played again, right? So you could turn around and say, like, oh, well, that's actually great. Like, you know, this guy this, you know, did this and therefore never played again. But it actually turns out that he was reinstated to the league and no other team picked him up. So I was thinking about the last interesting, right? The, everyone took the high road with this guy. No, he the, probably just wasn't worth the trouble. He wasn't worth the trouble anymore. Yep. Because you know why? Because you look at this yardage that he did the last season. Yeah. His, his full season, he had 660 yards which was less than half than what he had two years before that at almost almost 1,700 yards, right? So you can see his decline was – he's already like 27 years old. His decline was already coming down quite quite a bit. Same thing with Ezekiel Elliott. Same thing with Tyreek Hill, who had a bunch of issues both when he was in college and also in, 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 in the NFL. In all cases, when these guys are still young and very productive, like the NFL just finds a way to forgive people. Like, oh, yeah, we'll do your four games, we'll do three games. Arrow moves on. He's, you know, the guys that still have quite a bit of career. So when you're telling me that you're taking part of a fine and give it to educate people around healthy relationships, like what are you talking about? This is the same league that likes to wear pink to support women's breast cancer. And then you just don't know how to how to behave, how to handle these brand ambassadors of yours. Because if they're good, what you're showing is you want to, tur- to turn your eyes. Maybe you give them a little bit of a five, six game suspension. You know, even with, with Deshaun Watson. Because I had someone tell me that, oh, maybe he's being unfairly treated. I'm like, how? This dude is making more money than he's ever made before. He doesn't even have to work. He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't even have, have to play. work. Imagine getting paid that without he even got, having to he work. Got max, like, how, how is this? Like, It's a super sweet deal. It's, Look, a, it's a blimp in the road. I want to give concerned. you one quote here because uh-huh. it, it crystallizes the point that you said. But it apply, it, I think the teams, in addition to the NFL, are also complicit here. And we, we have to talk a little bit about the Browns. For sure they are. Yeah. So Jimmy Haslam. Him and his wife own the Browns. They're the owners of the of the Cleveland Browns. This guy in the press release, I'm going to read a direct quote from him, okay? He's talking about Deshaun, obviously, because what happened is Deshaun put out a written statement with a kind of apology, right? Doesn't claim any wrongdoing, but he says, I'm sorry for like the situation I put myself in and if that hurt anybody, that kind of weird apology. But then he goes and he has like a, a, a press thing, a press event. And he basically like rescinds all of the apology, right? And says, I've done nothing wrong. Yeah. So this guy, Jimmy Haslam says, this is a quote, people deserve second chances. Okay. Is he never supposed to play again? Is he never supposed to be part of society? Does he get no chance to rehabilitate himself? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, rehabilitate himself from what? Right. You just, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But then he goes on and he goes, and that's what we're going to do. And you can say, well, that's because he's a star quarterback. Well, of course. He literally said that. Yeah. Literally says that. Of course. Because if he wasn't a star quarterback. No, he's going to get the same, he's yeah, gonna get the same thing out. as this other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, so, it's so terrible. It really is. And I think the, le- the, the league, the teams are complicit of this. Uh, but it is, I think, a league where the culture is about winning. Mm. I mean, the Browns have been bad for so long. They just let go of their uh, Baker, Baker, right? Mayfield. Who was, Baker Mayfield, who was their quarterback. They just that era just ended, which was a big bust. He was the number one draft pick, I think, right? Yeah, he was uh, from Oklahoma, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, no he, uh, uh, 
He what was, was from yeah. Was he? uh, He's not Oklahoma. Uh, you may be right. You're I think I'm, right. I think I'm right. Yeah. I think it's Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, they just ended this era where they spent a bunch of money on this quarterback. It never really worked out. They lost OBJ, and at the end of the day, it's like they just want to win. Mm. It's like the old Oklahoma, you're right. Raiders, yeah. right? You're right. Just win, baby. And that's what it is, man. Like that's what this league is all about. It's like just win. And I think there is a similar dynamic in business. Where you do have people that are, are get hurt, but the but the reality is, it's the folks that are that are that are the most talented that have still the more more to give. There's people just find ways to forgive them because mm. they want to win so badly. And you see, I mean, I think there are cases where people just get fully, I guess, blacklisted. You would call it that, you know, altogether. But it is, uh, I think, especially in the NFL, it is at the end of the day, it's all about performance. Yeah. And it is funny man, when you look at it, and like, because I was thinking, like, oh yeah, Ray Rice, I'm like, oh, the, the league did the right thing, the teams did the right thing. No yeah, one to pick like, up. No, like, his no, production had dropped. It's off. just production had dropped off. Like, you know, even right now with Ezekiel Elliott, if he's something else, he's gone. Done. Because why? Toast. Because his production is like way down. He's already whatever old he is. He's 27, 28, and in running back years, he's going to be seventy. He's like, like dog years. You're you're done. Yeah, you're done. You're done. That's what it is. Years. Yeah. What's the what, what, like? So okay. So in your mind, then let's concede that the NFL and the teams have all done less than uh, noble work here in the case of Deshaun Watson. What is like? How do you, in a principled way, manage a situation like this? Because um, it could apply to other business; it doesn't have to just be sports. Sure. But what's the the first the things that they could have been they could have done differently, or the approach that they could have had? I, I think a much longer suspension, uh, and a suspension that impacts his actual like that really impacts his salary. If you're going to give him two hundred thirty million base salary, like charging or like having him find a final five million dollars, that's just baseball. That's not like all the upside that he still has. Makes it's a drop in the bucket for this mm-hmm. dude. Drop five percent, right? Whatever yeah, that yeah. is. Yeah, I think something that is Not meaningful even. that should that really like signals what they're gonna do, right? Of the two hundred thirty million, like fifty million is what you're paying. Yeah, it sucks. You know what? But you did something really shitty, and you are gonna get a second chance. But you're gonna be out of the game for the next year, year and a half. You know, uh, without being able to play, and then you're gonna have to spend quite a bit of money. And I would actually have or not pay them during that time. Too. Or not pay them during that, during that time. I will have the team, like the team that it was, pay also contribute, and the team that's acquired also contribute to that to that to that additional fine. They need to get matched by both the current team and and the new team. Mm. Why? Because I think there needs to be an actual pay that is significant enough that shows a signal to these women that were abused. Unless we unless we think that actually didn't happen, but frankly, they're not acting like it didn't happen. Just the comments of the owner himself, he's kind of saying like we're gonna reform the guy. Yeah. If I didn't think it happened, there's nothing to reform him about. And he admits that if he wasn't a star quarterback, they obviously wouldn't do it. So well, of I, I think it has to be a meaningful, meaningful compensation for him. I'm not saying he should never play in the in the league again, but I think this feels very much like a slap in the face, I think, for the women that were impacted by this. Because at those dollar amount, while well, to the average person, it's not to them. Mm. It's nothing. Mm. And then taking that money and taking 20%, a million of that, and then applying it towards these organizations to educate. It just like, dude, a, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, it's even it's even worse, frankly. I almost wish you didn't do that. It's actually worse. Mm. You know? Why? Because I, th- I think you're you're giving us a, a sort of, you're giving false signals that you support people that have been that have been uh, abused, that have, that have gone through sexual misconduct, or they've been through assault. And the reality is you as a league don't operate someone that actually cares about that, right? It's like you're only willing to throw some signals here and there when it when it's applicable, when it's someone that is more compromised, when it's someone that is no longer has more to give to the league. That's what it comes down to. But when it's a star, like you're just not willing to do that. 
I think also for me, it's that the NFL, in order to rehabilitate its image, needs to take an action that actually impacts it. In other words, right. we have an incredible athlete. We know he would light up the scoreboard. He'd be in a huge draw. He'd make for more TV ratings. And we're going to pass because it's the right thing to do. I mean, the gate that he's coming back for, Charlie, is the game with Browns against Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, must yeah. watch TV on that one day. They're gonna make up <laughs> whatever money they lost on this. That's what I'm saying. It's so it's gross. bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah. And well, let, let me ask you a question yeah. though. Like with all of this though, whether it's sports, whether it's company, let's go back to what we started the, the conversation. What role does a company actually play in having to discipline, having to take action around personal conduct when that conduct when that personal conduct is neither been convicted. Right, people. The whole thing of proven until until no innocent, innocent until proven, until proven guilty. guilty. And in this case, or, it's not even criminal; it's only civil. Well, I mean, saying, not that right. I mean, so, so, there, so let's say, so yeah. So, there's no criminal thing to to respond to. It's actually not even civil because it's, these are all these are all things that were settled. So you can say, well, that's you know, they don't exist. They don't exist, settled. really, right? Uh, and number two, which we said has nothing to do with your job performance. What role should it play? Uh, in your mind, in terms of from, I a, think from there's a private a, side, I corporate there, side? I think there's a couple of things. I think, um, you know, first and foremost, I think the idea of kind of de-averaging is important, like what you brought up, right? So you've got people in a variety of different roles, and some of which can cause significantly more harm by their actions or improprieties based on the visibility that they have, the number of lives that are in their charge. If they're the CEO, it's different than you know, just being a sales guy somewhere off in a regional office. So some part of it is that. Second part of it is like having very clear principles that that the brand abides by and that it, that they're super clear to everybody involved. In other words, these are things that make for a good corporate citizen in our value system, and we will deal harshly with people who fall outside of that. And I think you know, I don't. I don't know which of those are in play for the NFL. I presume all the athletes fall into the category, the first category, which is you're super visible. Mm-hmm. Everybody sees you. You're an ambassador by virtue of the fact that you're in the league. Period. So it's all like that kind. It'd probably be different for like an assistant coach or mm-hmm. something. But I think part of it is that, and I and I. But I do think that it's the the actual stomach to walk away from something that is good and lucrative for you economically in order to abide by like a greater principle. And that's what I don't see in evidence in the NFL. And maybe in some other cases, I don't see it as much in evidence too. So, but... Do you, do you think the argument yeah. that people can make or would make, now I'm going to try to argue this out, okay? Yeah, go that ahead. people would make is that unlike corporate America, where someone could literally lose their their livelihood, their job, it still doesn't mean that they can't make money elsewhere in other kinds of jobs and other kinds of company. But when you're a professional athlete, where your single thing is football, there is one game in time. I guess now you could argue that one, you have the XFL, and then you have the whatever, the USFL, whatever the one's called. The USFL. Uh, so there's other alternatives? You've got more, maybe. Li- yeah. I mean, now you could say a little bit more alternatives, but for a long time it's been really... I think for one, a very limited window of time that would be true because, you know, your your professional career is going to be five, six, mm-hmm. seven years, but then after that you're kind of in that boat anyway, yeah, right? Which is you, you kind of break out into the general sphere of things. But no, you could you could argue that point. Um the, but, however, now this is the part that does get dicey, is I do think, and you know, this is the, the delicate part of the conversation, that, which is like the whole how much of this do we believe just take on face if no criminal convictions have been handed down, if things have been settled, and everything has been really just a claim, an argumentation. And the other party denies that. 
I feel that, I mean, that's a really difficult place to be, but I also feel that the company has a responsibility to support its employee until it comes to a point where the evidence mounts or convictions begin to happen or something, because I really worry about, we live in such a litigious society, right? I'm going through a lawsuit right now. I can see that. Uh You know what I mean? Where everything that is posited in this lawsuit is an absolute 100% fabrication. Literally everything from like dates to every, you know, argument. But I have to prove that or I have to settle that. And now I'm self-employed, but I can imagine like would I how would I feel if somebody was like, "Wait a minute, you've got this thing." Yeah, and that's a we're that's not going to promote you. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah, not yeah. going to That's that's an interesting argument because I I, I mean on the one hand, I could argue that the act of settling a lawsuit doesn't necessarily mean that you're accepting guilt, right? Correct. Um, but in the case of Deshaun Watson, if he is innocent or was innocent or considers himself innocent, there is no lack of money to defend him. So he doesn't have the kind of issue that a lot of other people say, like, hey, it's just not worth the fight. It's not worth the money I'm going to spend on it because Agreed. my reputation is so high. His reputation is very – like matters a lot, and I think the money's being spent on making sure that his reputation gets protected is worth it for the NFL, but yet they decided to actually settle. They wanted to just get rid of this even if it makes them look bad. Mm. And I think it goes back to because they already made the calculation that the NFL doesn't fucking care. I think they're like, oh, it's already a done thing, so you're not going to go to jail? Yeah, but you look really bad. Yeah, people get over it. It's okay. You're still really good. Can you still throw? Yeah, I can still throw. Awesome. We'll start you. Don't worry about it. People, this will blow over. People, you know. That part also worries. We've worry- done it a bunch of different times. Like, that, this that is not. Also, see what I'm saying? Like, that part also worries me is the fact that I actually do believe that people's memories are just a lot shorter now. They are. And the second you start of- winning, it's like, oh, kind of forgot. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, you know, welcome with open arms in Cleveland. It's not like people are all upset about it. People were excited to have him join the, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns. By the way, I, I found an example because I remember this story a while ago and I just hadn't seen it in a while and I, I looked it up. But this actually happened, going back to not the corporate side, right? So not in the Me Too era, but something kind of similar. The uh, Back in, 2000, in May of 2007, uh, Time Warner announced that their chairman and chief executive of HBO, uh, basically their head, his name was Chris Albrecht, I think is what his yeah, name. Yeah, Chris Albrecht. Mm-hmm. He agreed to resign uh, based on the company's request three days after he was arrested and charged with assaulting a girlfriend in Las, in Las Vegas parking lot. Mm. So he basically got in a fight with his girlfriend in Las Vegas. Apparently, he was kind of drunk. He admitted to being kind of drunk. And as a result of that, he lost his job, right? Now, that fight with his—I with his, don't even know if the—I if the, mean, he was arrested and charged, but could those charges later be dropped? I don't know what the what that rest of that story kind of was, but ultimately, he did get, like, lose his job and the top job at HBO on something that had nothing to do with his work performance. Is it easier in that case, though, because you have another party who is injured and can physically prove that or can, you know, can show marks and bruises and things like that? Maybe. In this case, with sexual assault, which, by the way, the definition of this, because I looked it up, definition of sexual assault is, this is Black's Law Dictionary, defined as sexual contact without consent, right? Intentionally, Intentionally sexually touching another person without that person's consent or coercing or physically forcing a person to engage in a sexual act, all of which have been in these civil suits claimed by mm-hmm. these different parties. So is it easier in a case where like well, someone was arrested and there's like, yeah, proof, there's so proof. There's like the cop of... saw it. The woman is saying, yeah, look probably. at my face. I got a black eye. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Probably, probably. It's more so. egregious. And I don't know. It's, maybe it's a little Not more black and white. That's the wrong way to say it. In, but there's in terms more of like there was actual crime committed. But in all of this, while Deshaun, once again, he has personally denied it. 
I don't know if the league has really acted like he didn't do it. If they believe that he didn't do it, then why suspend 11 games? Why? Why push him and say you should be suspended for 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 an entire year? Well, that's that leads to the like, whole like, issue of he's, no he's, one he's is apologizing acting, for no what? One is what are you apologizing like, for? No one involved in this, outside of Deshaun Watson himself saying this, is acting like he is innocent. I don't even think Deshaun Watson is acting like he's innocent. He's the one apologizing, <laughs> but what are you apologizing for? The you teams, wrong. the league, no one's acting like, like, he's, like he's innocent. So you're right. Maybe he's not as black and white, but I still think with all of this is like the way that they're treating it is like we know you're guilty. Now just a matter of figuring out how long you're going to sit on the sideline while being paid yeah. before you come back and continue making a whole bunch of money. It's hard to be an absolutist on this, too, because this is like just talking to you about it. I'm thinking, well, we have to protect people's rights that if they've been accused but not convicted or sure. civilly charged but not conceded or whatever. Yes. But at the same time, in the case like using Deshaun as an example— the woman who was the arbiter over the NFL investigation, who's a state judge, apparently, called his actions predatory. Mm-hmm. Like, you are like right. organizing 70 different masseuses. You're having very similar things. None of these women know each other. They're all claiming the exact same behavior. It puts you into that Jeffrey Epstein, you know, Harvey Weinstein category. And there's a real societal danger to that yeah. when you've got predators who are out there on the loose. So, like, to me, it is kind of a balancing act because – and it, it's hard to codify into a policy, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's hard it to go, is. like, you know, do this or else. It, it, it's – so I, I don't know that I have a very satisfactory answer to your original question of, like, what – how I would do this in, in, in a business setting. Yeah, I mean, the, the way that I would think about this in the case of the NFL and in private business is that – to the degree that personal actions hurt, like, are detrimental to value of that organization, and value can be expressed in, like, actual, like, money or brand value, right? If it tarnishes that industry, that, that brand anyway, not industry, that brand anyway, that company anyway whatsoever, I think at that point, as a private organization or as an organization, you have to take action. Hmm. Now, there may be cases where, to your point, it's just very gray what actually maybe the case and i think there you do have to use judgment maybe it isn't fully letting go of someone but maybe it's a demotion maybe it's a suspension maybe there's other ways to go go around it um but i just have a hard time seeing how how you don't take action even if that even if that action that that person is being accused of has nothing to do with their work performance mm. you know um so I've, I've heard some people you know saying like oh you know uh, innocence are proven guilty yeah but we don't we don't operate that way in society. We don't operate. We don't value gets extracted immediately. I mean, look at all the people that were up in arms for good reason with Bill Clinton. Nothing to do with his job performance. Unless people think that what he was doing with Monica Lewinsky changed the decision of what he was making about the economy, about going to you know international policy. I don't think so. But it was a shitty thing to do that people recognized and that he lied about it. And so people, were, you know, he got impeached for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that. I think that standard, we do hold it with people, especially when they're in these high-profile positions, that their action, their behavior, their values impact the value that gets realized for whatever organization. And in a much more real sense, in the case of the NFL, in a much more real case, like if you work for Google, you can be a mass murderer, and I don't think in any position you're really going to impact the stock price. But in the case of the NFL, maybe it really does have more of a of an impact on. Yeah, I would argue it still matters quite a bit. And if you're a leader, you think so? You think yeah, if you think if like some some divisional president for Google did something horrible, it would impact the company's value? Really? Yeah, for sure. I don't think so. 
You don't think if, if something happens with Elon Musk right now? Well, that's Elon Musk as a different category. Let's why? because I mean it's like you're talking about the most visible CEO in the world. Okay. Let's take somebody who isn't that. Let's take the president of uh, you know Warner Brothers Studio, a division of. Whatever the company is it owns, is it Discovery now? I, guess, I, I think or we have such universal. A, yeah, I think there is such a polarized, Comcast. politicized uh, news cycle that if one of these guys doesn't like that, that especially we think about one of these media companies already accused of being too leftist, already accused of, of being too woke, and then they go do something. I think that that news will get will picked up and we will make maybe a, you know a, a mountain out of a molehill, whatever it be the case. But I do think it actually impacts it, mm. uh, impacts those, those organizations, and maybe deservedly so. I'm just simply saying that at this day and age, it's really hard to keep those things quiet, mm. and people are just waiting to attach themselves to something to be able to kind of jump on. Uh, so I, I think it's hard to put some of those things under the radar, especially for people that are much higher up in the organization. Now, the reality is that lower levels happens all the time. People do shitty things all the time. And I don't think that in those cases, people should, or at least the company should be uh, penalized or value against penalized because maybe they're just too low in the, in, the, in the totem pole. Don't athletes, though, and people who are very public and very visible sign in their agreements those kind of like decency clauses and of things course, like that? Yeah. Right, so I mean, right there, it's already there for the NBA, right? I mean, I mean, for the well, I'm sure the NBA as well, but mm-hmm. the, for the NFL, that's what the whole thing is, right? Is there, um, how, what's it called? Because the, that hasn't been discussed in any of the articles that I've read. Is that maybe he's actually contravening just by being accused? You can contravene your your agreement. Well, but your that, I think that's the case of why the NFL is able to suspend them and push for that because it's a violation of the of the um, what's it called? I'm blanking right now the the term that they have for it. Yeah, it's is like there, a, um, it's not the behavior clause, policy, whatever you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. basically. Right, like that's that's the that's what they rely on to be able to suspend them for the amount of time they spend. Now, as part of the the CBA that they are that they that they agree to, there is a third in the a third party who's completely independent who decides on what the actual punishment is. Yeah. Then if they don't like it, we're like no no no, we're appealing that decision, and then the appeal decision I think is the commissioner who actually gets to decide. So at that point, Deshaun and his team were very motivated to try to negotiate something and not leave it for for Goodell to actually make the final decision. Mm. You know, the way the process used to be before, it was that the NFL, the commissioner would be like, this is a punishment and I'm solely like decide whether or not you like it. And I think the the players how, renegotiated that in the last year. How should organizations, especially something like the NFL, um, consider the dynamic as unfortunate or as unpopular as it is to say that certain people who are unscrupulous may want to latch on to a class action suit or some other thing against a very visible person Mm -hmm. just because they can and they feel that like now the getting is good, so let me try it. I'm not suggesting on any level that any of these women are doing that. I think all of them had this experience, and I think Deshaun Watson probably is a predator in this way. But how how should a company or the NFL consider that or think about that? I think they – well – what I know that does happen uh, as it relates when te- when players are coming into the league, they get a lot of, of course, there's training camps, all this stuff, but they also get a lot of tools, resources, trainings around how to manage their money, how to manage their brands, how to like keep keep themselves out of trouble. So there's already some of that. Now, maybe the part, the, the reality, this should be an ongoing process. It's also like the NFL and the teams, they have great like PR crisis management sure. teams that oh. are constantly working with these guys like all the time, right? So... I don't know if it's a case where maybe you do need that more, right? Because I do agree with you. There are cases where athletes are being uh, roped into situations 
that people are trying to take advantage of. These are very wealthy people that are very young. My wife was that watched, became wealthy overnight. Up, like yeah, you know, like uh, the 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 likelihood of them of them making a bad decision, it's actually really high if you think about it. You, you know, these are people that have tons of attention, make very tons of young, money. They're super very young, inexperienced. Right. And and so I, I can see that and I do feel for them. Uh, but I don't know if it's a lack of resources in that case from the leagues, from the teams, because the teams are spending a lot of money on these players and they want to protect their investments. There's a documentary that uh, my wife was uh, watching on Netflix. I didn't see it, but it's called Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. And it's uh, Manti Teo's story. Oh, yeah, a I remember that. From Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I was... So I was a huge Nordic fan. I remember, I remember this when it was happening. I felt so bad for the guy. So I don't, I don't know the story. I just know that he was basically catfished. He right? was catfished, I mean, yeah. By um, uh, I guess now it's a. I mean, I haven't seen the, the the documentary, but I believe now it's a trans woman. But 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 was pre transition when he was catfished, mm. and this guy was having the season of his life. I think he was in the running for um for the Heisman for the Heisman. I mean, this dude was. Awesome middle linebacker for Notre Dame. Just awesome. And the whole story kind of came up that his girlfriend was, uh, I think, was, like, dying or something like that. Like, he got not only catfish, but it was, like, it became a super sad story. So, like, the, it's like the country rallied behind him mm. with his girlfriend that that he was really in love with. And it, and then it started to kind of come out that, wait, they never actually met in person. It's all been online. And then it turns out that the that the girlfriend was actually a guy. Wow. Right, who a catfish them? This person once again now has transitioned since, but it was it made him look terrible. It impacted his his draft where he ended up because like all of a sudden like you're a linebacker supposed to be like this really physical smart linebacker like maybe not that bright mm. because he got catfish right. Mm. He ended up going I think for the chart. I forgot where he ended up playing, but his NFL career wasn't it didn't what, take off what yeah. I what I think people thought it was going to be because he was so good in college. Like, mm-hmm. this guy was ridiculous in college. Um, now, I was a big Nordic fan, so I watched almost every game, but this dude was a stud. I mean, people were comparing him to, um, um, I'm blanking from the charge, actually, the, 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 the linebacker. Junior was, Sale. To Junior Sale. Like, he had that kind of, of athleticism or really cover, you know, side to side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a really sad story about that. But it does speak to how... Uh, vulnerable these athletes can be and also how young they actually are like i get that dude like but but i don't know at an nfl level with with more veteran quarterbacks that it's a lack of resources a lack of support by the league or the teams i have a recommendation See what I'm saying? like I, I think at this point i, I, I don't know if i if i could give a pass based on that i think the recommendation that i would make with situations like this is that all of these guys are actually, I don't know if assigned or compelled to have a mentor, like an somebody who's not part of their orbit, but like a, I don't know, like, a, you know, somebody they have to check in with, somebody that they can vet ideas with, somebody that they can, who's like maybe seen some of these trappings that a lot of these guys, you know, get into or, or the risks that exist. And, you know, that they have more one-on-one kind of guidance and support as they go through this process because I know we're kind of getting a little bit off subject here, but I do think that, like, onboarding into a professional sports career is a is a very, like, ter- it can be. It can lead you down a lot of rabbit holes that you shouldn't be involved in. There's plenty of stories around how that's happened, right, with mm-hmm. drugs and with overspending and finding yourself out of your best playing years without any money and like all these different things. And it seems like it's just the luck of the draw that some people do well and some people don't do well. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the NFL or maybe a sports league or the team 
takes as much interest in helping mentor that athlete throughout their professional athletic process beyond physical stuff. Physical yeah. stuff for sure. Yeah, for you got sure a coach for every damn thing. You got a nutritionist, mm-hmm. you got a masseuse, you got all these different things. But like yeah. who's like really your your kind of mentor buddy? You know what I mean? To like walk through all these decisions. Yeah. They have agents, but those agents want to get paid. Yeah, I also think some of that could also come maybe maybe some of that, if you want to go down that route, could also come from like leaning more on on those um of the alumni of of the NFL, mm. of those players that are retired, right? Like, um, yeah, that's, who, that's, who are those guys that are still obviously very well respected that could still be kind of some of these guys? Maybe that's a good way to think about it because it is a fraternity in many ways. You know, these are, these guys are, you know, the, the what they go through to be able to make a league like this and you know, to stay on on a, on a team. I mean, it, it is pretty amazing when you think about it. Um, but maybe that could be a way to think about it. But but I think with all with all of this though, Charlie, I think part of it is 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 a result. If you want to fix this, you got to start with, with fixing the culture. I think I think the NFL has a culture problem. Uh, there was a piece by the New York Times that was put out in February of this year, right, February twenty twenty two, and in the piece they basically wrote allegations from more than thirty former NFL employees, there were women who say they are experienced problems, including unwanted touching from male bosses. Attending parties where prostitutes were hired, mm. being passed over for promotional based on their gender, and being pushed out for complaining about discrimination. Yeah, you just talk, you just if described this is all, If this is all, <laughs> there was an arrow that yeah. if, if allegedly, it, allegedly, yeah, we yeah, can't get sued. Yeah, there you go. Allegedly. We <laughs> exactly have enough lawsuits. No more. No more. Um, if that's happening at an overall NFL organization, yeah, like it's just like that's that is the culture that you are breeding like how do you expect that not to be like reflected in your teams in your in your in your ownership but is that the nfl or is that the teams that have to do a better job of this because where does it I actually think, happen i think it's both over oh, the nfl is the construction of all the owners i mean who runs the nfl are the owners the owners gets to assign whether goodell gets his job or not at the end of the day he works for the owners is the owners that's what it is mm-hmm. you know you got to think about the nfl as a collection of owners Right, and I think that's where the responsibility falls, and the, owner, and the owner's responsibility falls both in their collective decisions for the, how the league gets run, and for their individual decisions of how their teams get run. Yeah, so I think it starts there. Mm. I mean, you had Robert Kraft, right? Sure, from the Patriots, who got caught also at a with a with massage a massage parlor, massage parlor. So, you know, yeah, that guy can't say anything about this. Yeah, what is he gonna say? <laughs> Right? What is he going to say? He's going to ask what his uh, you know, <laughs> QBR rating is. He's like, hook me up with the numbers. I could like, you know, like, you should have called me. I got to give you some good, good places to go to instead. Like, what is he going to say? Not much. Not much. So I think all of that kind of adds to it. I was, I was trying to figure out, who, um, was it the Airbnb CEO that also got bounced because of this? I don't know. That one I don't know about. <sighs> I'm blanking. Maybe it wasn't Airbnb. Um, I'm blanking on who the CEO was that also got accused of all this like sexual harassment. Basically, good old boys club kind of kind of dynamic. And I, did I he step down? Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, I, 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 heard I that. thought it was Airbnb. I, 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 I could be confusing it. Maybe it wasn't Airbnb. Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing anything about that. Well, um, yeah. Look, we'll, we'll see where this thing nets out. Apparently, Deshaun's not going to be playing until whenever, right? For that game that you talked yeah, about, yeah. Uh, yeah. In- Houston against uh, against. <laughs> yeah. How, how great is that? It's like timed it perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Coincidence. Oh, Coincidence. Man. But I do think that it's um, you know it's a problem that we gotta we gotta definitely pay more attention to. And for me, I think. The culture, like you said, is important. Um, and then, you know, the balancing act of weighing 
the you know the brand value and all those different things against the real human impact of these things and mm-hmm. and not having this kind of win at all costs kind of thing which frankly is probably a key in- ingredient in the culture you're talking about mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh it was the actually the uber ceo not oh yeah, yeah, yeah travis I'm, I'm Kalaknik Kalaknik or whatever his name was sorry yeah <laughs> That's all tech big news <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> that's yeah. the wrong one. Yeah, they probably but, uh, went to the same college. Uh, yeah, they probably, probably live probably. in the same neighborhood. They probably uh, have the same, you know, same yeah, no, bank I accounts. Know. I was like, yeah, that sounds sounds wrong, but I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. very famously, that very was a famously. debacle. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's fine, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So good discussion. Should we move on to Courage or Cringe? Yes. All right, let's do it. So um, I, I very. Predictably, Jesus, I, I I I came up with a cringe, but okay. I think it's actually an interesting one. It's a fun one, and this one was making uh, the circles, the rounds last week, and it was based on a Atlantic story. Okay, which I don't know if you caught wind of this, um, but the Atlantic, obviously, very well renowned magazine of dealing with intellectual and sophisticated uh, issues, had a very interesting headline, which they then amended two times given the kind of backlash that it received. But the headline, the original headline, was this. How the rosary became an extremist symbol. Mm. The a- and it's the subheadline is... I, I saw that a little bit. Yeah, tell me, tell me about that. I'm very curious. The AR-15 is a sacred object among Christian nationalists. Now, radical traditional Catholics are bringing a sacrament of their own to the movement. That was mm-hmm. the original headline. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's some things that are just in, inaccurate just from a Catholic perspective because the rosary is not a sacrament. It's a sacramental. But we'll leave the theology aside for a second. There was obviously— I think a, that's the least of your problems. The least of the problems. There, there was a lot of backlash to this, as you can imagine. Um, and so they amended the headline from how the rosary became an extremist symbol to how gun control co-opted the rosary— Backlash continued, and then they settled on the final one. How gun control co-opted the rosary? Sorry, gun cu- gun culture. Gun How culture, gun culture oh, gotta, gotta, co-opted okay. the rosary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then they settled on the final one. How extremist gun culture is trying to co-opt the rosary, mm. right? So they softened it a couple of times. The claim that was being made by the author of this piece, who's a guy named Daniel Paniton, was that essentially in some far-flung places on the web, when like extremist corners, there are some nationalists who also claim to be Catholics who happen to pray the rosary, and therefore the way that I took the piece was we have to, like when you see a rosary, you might be looking at a radical extremist, like mm. religious zealot kind of warning. That, that was the sense that I got yeah. from initially reading the piece. Mm-hmm. Um the backlash was pretty brutal because, yeah, I mean, look, there might be people who are extremists who, I don't know, like ride red bicycles. And red bicycles does not mean that that becomes a flag for right-wing extremists, mm-hmm. extremism. But so it was very unfortunate when I think about, first of all, the idea of the rosary, which, you know, has been around for a thousand years, actually longer than that, depending on how you view it. But it's, it's an ancient, ancient prayer custom where basically you, in a meditative way, you basically pray, right? Right? There's a series of prayers mm-hmm. that you do. And the 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 kind of, you know, labeling this or associating it with something that should be feared or looked at suspiciously, I'm like, it, it just felt like more piling on 
to a culture, a dominant culture, that already looks at very suspiciously at anyone that has a faith experience. And to me, it just, it was really kind of insult to injury. I've said it before on this show that the last acceptable prejudice is anti-Christian bigotry. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly in that category. There, there may have been some good points in in the in the article about particular groups and how they believe that their faith gives them right, some right, type right, of permission to do d- certain things. Mm-hmm. But the rosary thing is completely incidental to that and that has nothing like stretch, to do. Yeah. Right, they're making it almost but, the but source it, of some. Can of I this push stuff. back on push back about, on anything you want? No, no, I'm not on the rosary thing because I think I think oh. to your point is um, yeah that's so I'm a cringe in case I wasn't yeah, yeah, clear. <laughs> obviously okay. But I guess the the part that I that I that I could see an argument, okay, and, and correct me immediately as I'm sure wrong in my, my my thoughts here is that I guess my question that I would have for more for religious people is why have you let like certain like a big chunk of extreme people take on the position of gods and guns, mm-hmm. like that's a stated position of a lot of people, and those to me feel so contradictory to each other, and I just don't hear enough. Of the of the religious community, Christian community, stands up and say, "Hey, stop attaching me to guns! Like that's not what this is. We're not. We're about turn the other cheek. We're not about go and shoot people. Like that's not the position that we hold." There's so many people that that is their stated position politically and like in t-shirts, and stickers, gods and guns, gods and guns. like you see it all the time. So in some ways, I think that the and I'm not saying this it's Catholic. I just think. I think evangelicals are a big part of that as well. Whatever, right? But my point is, like, there's a big sector of people that have taken this very stated position of sure. gods and guns, and I just don't see the kind of pushback that if the position was abortion and God as the as the position, people were like, oh, wait, time out. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. We're not abortion and, guns, and, and God. Yeah. We're something else. And I think that's a problem. Because there is, it's almost like they almost feel like they come in a pair at this point. I think that it's not. Ex- so there's a couple. Which is different than, I think the, about. than different than the different than the rosary thing. Yeah. You're bringing up. But but I think no that no no. I think it's, it falls into the same category. To okay. me to me, I just think that the answer has a lot to do with the way that media is consumed and what what is advantageous to the media owners to to actually talk about. So one one thing that I think about is well, where would you expect to hear that pushback? Like, would you expect to hear that pushback on CNN, on Fox, on MSNBC? Because I can tell you, I could point you to a half a dozen or a dozen uh, media sources that are Christian where you can find that message. Whether or not you're seeing them break through the mainstream, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's That's one thing I think about. The other thing that I think about is that there is— Do you you think that there is an actual pushback that people have where they're like— that they are as aggressively as people have been vocal about the pro-life— Issue like in pushing back on the 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 anti gun position. I think it depends. That people attach those two because that's a, by the way that gods and guns is not a media position. That's a political platform, and and something that is a cultural thing that I see all the time. Yeah, but people have that in their. In but their I guess what I would ask is where where are you where do you think you're seeing this all the time? Are you seeing it in the, Christian it, media or you're I seeing see it in it mainstream on, media? I see it on day to day life. Mm-hmm. People wearing shirts and stickers. Like I've seen it all the time. Like when people have that as a as a position in their trucks, whatever it be the case, mm. gods and guns. Like that's like what what I'm all, I'm all about. Mm. I've also seen it in political platforms, uh, and yeah, that coverage may be in, in traditional media for sure yeah. or mainstream media. But it is it's not that they made up that term. It's like literally in the in the position in the in the buses that people have for yeah. their political platforms, like gods and guns. I'm like, 
wow, like that, it just seems, feels so counter. And I just don't, and you're right, I don't see, because of my own echo chambers, right, that we talk about, the the position people come in, like, no, no, wait, like, time out. No, 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 we're not that. Like, stop associating me with that. Just like you would in any other case where you touch these two things together that should not belong together. I don't see this rise of people saying, hey, this is not what, what God is about. Mm. Stop associating it with guns. Like, that's a different thing. Some, see what I'm yeah, some portion of that is definitely who you're who you're expecting or who you're getting this information from. I mean, mm-hmm. I can tell you that from a Catholic standpoint, if you look at somebody like the figure of Pope Francis, and there's a number of bishops beyond him, but Pope Francis, Pope Benedict before him, Pope John Paul II, like going back a long time, have... At, from the highest level on a global stage, talked about the evil of violence, the evil of war, the evil of a throwaway culture, which includes, you know, using guns to solve problems, using abortion to solve problems. So they've been, from from a Catholic perspective, I think that there's been a lot of consistency in that regard. Now, the Christian world is much broader than the mm-hmm. Catholic perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And there's something like 40,000 Christian denominations right now. Mm-hmm. So there, could, there are some, and very famously some, right? The, um, the, you know, the, the, the Branch Davidians famously from the Waco thing or you know, these other kind of sects that some of them kind of run, you know, get on the cusp of being cults yeah. where they, you know, they arm themselves and they hold up in places and they, there, there's all that kind of stuff. But I would think that that would represent a real, real fringe of the Christian, you know, worldview. Now, to your point, why are Christian leaders not speaking out more vocally on but, this? But or I don't does think it... God and guns is a fringe position. I think that's a that's a mainstream position that I think, people take. I think the way you're phrasing it is fringe. I think the way okay. that if you if you look at it as like, okay, let's look at the Republican platform as an example, or the the the, the evangelical Christian position, and it overlaps strongly from a political standpoint with the Republican Party. The Republican Party has certainly God in its platform, and certainly the defense of the Bill of Rights, including, you know, the the Second Amendment. So I think that it, it becomes like, yeah, we care about our rights, including the right to bear arms, and we believe in God. If that translates to God and guns for you, then yeah, I think you're right. But like a position, like that is my church experience. I go and I worship and I hear about how we should have, you know, a Glock and no, read no, no, the, I, the Gospel yeah, yeah. of Mark. I'm not, I'm like, not saying I, that I that's what—yeah, that, that, but just to be clear, I'm definitely not arguing that that's a position that— parishes that churches that religions are stating my only argument is that that is seems to be a a broad position mm-hmm. that people mm. are taking where they've attached those two and when i haven't seen go back to where i've given my media yeah is the pushback from those leaders those more vocal parishes religions to say stop doing that we're not because if once again if the position was oh we're uh you know abortion in god people were like no no, like you may be okay with certain, you know, choice kind of matters, but to say that that's a, a stated thing that we as a as a as a religion as a church support, no, mm. we're not, and th- and that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So that it is interesting to me because it, it is it seems to be maybe just one of those things that's so simple to say together, and it looks people feel like that kind of describes their identity, and maybe it's like a pop culture thing. But people have a, you want to wear the shirt that says that. Yeah. I, I don't know, but you do see it a lot. Is the, is the, is a the, is the there's point. a lot of nuance in it, but I think broadly the reason is because of a dynamic that we've talked about before, which is 
the conflation of faith with politics. Mm -hmm. And there has been, especially in the last seven years, eight years, this alignment of, just using Christianity as an example, with political ideologies, political platforms, etc., where certain things will bubble up into the conversation much more often. And I think that drives this sense of either A, you're hearing it, or B, you're not hearing people speak against it. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you for my own, for what it's worth, you know, uh, I'm a person who would never subscribe to that kind of uh, philosophy or ideology um, at all, right? But, but yeah, maybe... I will say as a mental exercise, just next time you're driving around, even here in LA, like driving around, just just be on the lookout for that sticker. Yeah. Because people people have it quite a bit. Yeah, guns and guns. By the way, (laughs) one that I kind of said to mind was, this GOP gubernatorial candidate, who I think lost back, you know, whenever it was mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year, her platform was on three things: Jesus, guns, babies. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's uh, you can discuss <laughs> each like, one of those. Yeah, just... I'm saying, yeah, sure, you can be for, but it's just like that. Yeah. The co-opting of those two things together, I thought it was. Kind yeah, of and so, some of this is also selective too, right? Because the bumper stickers that I see or the shirts that I see, you know, are ones that also. Uh, confirm a bias maybe in me right so like i see oh, for sure i see the planned parenthood stickers yeah, yeah. I by the see way i'm the, not arguing any of those yeah. positions like that's fine yeah i'm simply saying as this co-opting of these two th- matching these two things together that really shouldn't be together how much of that has been become a thing i think it is and i think it's a new religion is what i think it is yeah, yeah, i think I, it is i, I agree is with what that it is. yeah um all right so my uh, can I give you my, of my okay? So mine is not going to be as well thought out to be perfect. I didn't candid. think anything out in that one. I just, um, just cringe. But I but I do have one that I think is a good one, which is a courage, and my courage is for and you probably forgot his name by now, but I haven't. Anthony Fauci. Oh yeah, that retiring. Guy, remember Anthony Fauci? Yeah. So he is announced uh, that he sunset. is stepping down uh, in December. Uh, he announced that he's stepping out from the position of director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases mm. and chief of the NIAID, I think, I think it's pronounced that yep. right, Laboratory of Immunoregulation, mm-hmm. as well as the position of chief medical advisor to President Joe Biden. Basically stepping away from all of it, right? Now, by the way, he's the already— The dude is 81. You know, so you know, you know, you know, you know I know, but he does not. When you compare him versus Biden, who looks like, like oh, a— fresh as a, a young, daisy. A young punk. French is—exactly. Get out of here, punk. <laughs> he has tons of energy, that dude. Like, uh, he is like— mm-hmm. By the way, he know he's already getting threatened by, by the GOP that if they take over, they're going to go after him criminally. <laughs> Really? You know, he joined the National Institutes of Health in 1968. So, Jesus. yeah, he's been he's been for more than uh, he's basically said after more than 50 years of government service. Right. And he plans to pursue the next phase of career. All the, the reason I'm giving, I'm giving him my courage is for a couple of reasons. One is you and I have talked about this. This whole idea is like we shouldn't have these roles that people just continue having for over and over again. And and he cannot be accused of like his energy levels gone down because it hasn't. Like that dude was like all in. But I also think it's the right thing to do because I do think that in the whole COVID before and after, I think him, he took a lot of credibility hits. I think his personal brand took massive hits as well. And I'm glad to see for a guy that you put in 50 years, dude, you 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 had a great run mm-hmm. to step aside. And even if it's simply to be able to, as a country, turn a page on how we feel about our medical professions, how we feel about research. And if and if he has to take a little bit, even if he was one hundred percent right, let's let's let me let me give him one hundred percent benefit of the doubt on everything. He's one hundred percent right. 
to take the hit and say, I it's time for me to step back at 81 years old. I've done 50 years in this area. And knowing what happened over the last year, I think it's the right thing to do. I'm glad he's doing it. And I'm glad he's going to give it a, he's going to basically let someone else take over. And I hope it becomes a step in the right direction to bring back a little bit of trust to our to our research institutions, to what our development of, of, of different vaccines, et cetera. So I'm really glad to hear that he's that he's doing Trudy that. Even though I don't have like yeah. I'm not like super against him in any way whatsoever. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I but I it. think it's the right thing to do, and I'm glad he's doing it. True to your nature, you're looking at this thing in a very optimistic, very thoughtful, very benevolent, benevolent way. I mean, somebody else could have said, "Yeah, he's leaving," and I'm giving it a cringe because the guy was there for 50 years, is 81, and you know why would somebody want to remain in power or authority in anything at that age? So the, the, the so I agree with you, but. The more interesting question to me is always like, what are the motivators? Maybe the best way to think about this is think of it like civil service is like military service. If somebody made that argument to me, that's why. If I'm a general or a major or lieutenant or whatever, commander in the armed forces, and I'm 80, I'm still consider myself a military person. I want to be involved with the armed services stuff. I want to help. Like I could sort of begin to see it, but I'm just blown away by what what actually motivates Somebody to be in a job for 50 years and at the age of 81 still, you know, punching a clock. I don't believe, and this may be my cynicism, that it's just a strong work ethic. I just don't believe that. Um, it, I, what well, are the drivers that I, keep you there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I get that you don't believe it. But I do think with someone like him, with the level of energy that he has, the level of um, intellect that he has, and I think he does – I. I don't say I don't think he he made every right every decision was the right decision. I think he, there was plenty of stuff that how they handled COVID where they probably fucked it up. Okay, but what I what I maybe and once again very positive view of it. I do think that he has a genuine interest to sort of solve big world problems around disease. I think that is a big motor to a guy like him. But why and I could does see he have that to be in, the reason, in a position of authority to have that interest and drive it and and helps it help because, it move because forward. then you have the then you have singularly the ability to the ability, move it that's forward. Right. Yeah, it's right? about like, like if you have if you if you're in a position like that and you are, are competent, you're knowledgeable, you have the ability to move this forward. Do I see that as being? You could say that's all self-serving. Okay, sure. But it's self-serving, you could, you could, but it's you could motivated also say by that, a degree of, of wanting the power to do something. But but I think it's different in the context of power for the sake of power. This is where I put politicians in that category where you have so many people that are just sitting there with power. They don't pass any laws. They're just basically fighting with the other side. You could feel that way about him, but I don't think he's in that category. Mm. I don't think he's there just, like, just to like fight the fight or just to have the power, but they're actually try to move this big research work forward. Now, he, I still think it's too long. I agree with you. And the reason I give courage rather than courage is that I'm giving courage on the decision of stepping down because I don't think anyone's forcing him to step down. Maybe maybe they're in the background someone is. I doubt it, frankly. I don't think Biden's going to force him to step down because it looks at him like, well, you're like, damn, dude, I wish I had your energy. Like, you he's kidding me? He's a young kid over there in the corner. So yeah. I think him trying to step down, I just, I'm glad he's doing it. And hopefully someone got to him and be like, hey, you may still have another 10 years to give based on your energy levels because you're super high. I'm impressed with you. But it's just the right thing to start transitioning now because we need to turn the page on your era. And maybe someone told him. Maybe maybe he just realized it himself. Whatever it took, I'm just glad he's doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can get behind that. I just think he just saw that the runway is like he's just out of runway. And it's like what, you know. In terms of rehabilitation among a certain segment, he has, he has he's never two gonna... more years, Charlie. If he wanted to, for sure. 
at, at minimum. Yeah, but he doesn't want to get fired. He wants to leave on his own terms. And if a Republican wins, the, you know, the presidency, if that's his new boss, he probably would. Yeah, maybe. You know, who so, knows? Yeah, maybe. All right, we got to end the show. Sadly, that, that was it. That was my. That, that was, was my, it. That was my. That was my. Oh, you had like a, that's even my courage. One. That's all. No, that's beautiful. It. All right, so we're courage, or cringe. courage and cringe again. Nice balancing act. All right, Jesus. Anything else? No. All right, we'll see you again next time on Unsiloed. And remember to continue to live a life unsiloed. Bye. <laughs>